0: You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. There will be no summer break here on the Owls AmeriCast at Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, we do have some fresh Wednesday matches to talk about. Therefore, I am drinking a fresh with a PH from Alvarium Brewing Company. This one's a little bit punchier. than The one I had last week, it's 6.5. So one pint of New England IPA. One does not simply drink fresh, man. Fresh is a state of mind. Your headspace is either open to the idea of soft, juicy, tropical, fruity goodness from citra and mosaic hops, or it ain't. You don't consume it, it consumes you. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's a solid enough New England style IPA. I don't mind it at all. It's a well-balanced, juicy without being too much like a mimosa, hoppy without being too grassy. So there you have it, much like the Wednesday performance. I might be stretching it there a little bit. Also on the line somewhere actually north of me with marginally decent Wi-Fi in a cabin in Vermont, it's James Allen. James, what are you drinking?
1: Hey, Jeff. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've escaped my closet, and I'm uh, I'm in the woods. So I'm drinking a Woods and Waters IPA by Maine Rear Company, which is
0: only um, named
1: after it. Named after the Katahdin Woods and Waters National Monument. Um, one of the guess I said that before because but...
0: I've drank it on the podcast.
1: Thank, thank you, Jeff, <laughs> for, the, for the previous interest. And All I was going to observe was it's one of the few national monuments that isn't to a Confederate general or a slave owner, which means it's still standing. So uh, we're hey for Maine Beer Company. And, uh, and I'm enjoying the fact that I'm actually in an open space as opposed to in a two square foot closet. So uh, happy days all around with the return of Wednesday.
0: In a slightly larger than two square foot, although not that much, living space in New Jersey. It's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking?
2: Hey, you and Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I'm down to my last can of uh, Industrial Arts Talk Wrench IPA, which is a very sad moment cause I love this IPA. Uh, it's the 8.2% sticky and tropical juiced double IPA. Uh, it's fantastic. If you can get your hands on it anywhere. It's in New York. It's really good.
0: I'm looking forward to chatting about the Wednesday game. You can find it outside of New York, Patty. By the way, <laughs> not, not just in New, New Jersey, York. apparently. And in the same old basement in Ohio, it's our Ohio owl, Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking
3: uh, tonight? It's just some, some coca tea. Um, pretty straightforward. No, uh, I've got no relevancies to to our podcast. No comparisons to draw to to what we're about to talk about. It's just a nice tasting coca tea from Bolivia. What the fuck's a coca tea? What's coca tea? Uh, It's a type of tea in 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 coca in in Bolivia. um, Rachel brought it back from Bolivia, but it's basically a a Bolivian plant. Uh, I believe it's very similar to the cocaine plant, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'd have to Wikipedia that. but uh, Are you getting high on (laughs) I I would love that, but no, it's... (laughs) It's not, it's not quite like that, but uh, it's of the coca plant, which is native to South America. Um, you know, it's it's commonly consumed in the Andes mountain range, particularly Argentina, Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, and especially Peru, where it's consumed all around the country. It's it, it,
2: we've got more hipster than Jeff's drinks, but apparently your tea drinks are getting more hipster by uh, the day.
3: Yeah, I, I never thought about it that way. We've <laughs> we've had we've had this box of coca tea for, for years, um, and and without drinking alcohol lately, I've just been trying different teas and going through the boxes and boxes of of teas that we have here. So, that's yeah. the
2: cracking. The working man is turned off right now. Our, our our beer and tea chat is, uh, is not <laughs> resonating is, in
1: chappie. Let, now let, let, let's they lean tuned into in this. There are no working people listening <laughs> to this podcast, mostly because. We're all working from home these days, right? Huck you,
0: Also, for the record, per Wikipedia, Evan, the leaves of the coca plant contain alkaloids, which, when extracted chemically, are the source for the cocaine base. However, the amount of coca alkaloid in the raw leaves is small. A cup of coca tea prepared from one gram of coca leaves, the typical contents of a tea bag, contains approximately 4.2, I think that's milligrams, of organic coca alkaloid. In comparison, a typical dose, a line of cocaine contains between 20 and 30 milligrams
3: fucking evan's doing coke on the podcast this, so, this, this uh, certainly the, has the, the opposite effect cocaine.
0: most coca tea <laughs> a is effect. actually decocaine de so, so it's according <laughs> to wikipedia it is
1: is <laughs> de- that like the sheffield wednesday like dre- dressing room what's yeah. um, so it's like it's
0: like, de- de- like it's like group? instead of decaffeinated it's de cocaineized. <laughs>
2: I'm just against decaffeinated as I am de de
1: cocaine things anyway, that's really
2: hard to say I'm move in the on,
1: 90s there was like a, there was a coke brand wasn't it? It was Apparently, like coke, decaffeinated, de-sugared, de-coked so it's you just to... take it all the way through decocainized <laughs> as well
0: I'm just talking about like caffeine-free diet coca-cola which is probably a sort of thing that still exists
3: <laughs> well golly if you've made it this far thanks so much for sticking with us <laughs> <laughs>
0: And you'll be uh, Treated to quite the 98th episode Of the podcast we will review an actual Sheffield Wednesday game we'll have more Wednesday news we have a double preview Bristol City and Preston We also have some listener questions So a jam packed show we've just wasted Six minutes of your time already So we will move on to 90 minutes and 90 Seconds which will be hopefully a slightly More Compact podcast segment Sheffield Wednesday won, Nottingham Forest won. A ponderous lineup. Is it three at the back? Is Kieran Lee playing fullback? I don't know. It's like Wednesday never left. It is in fact three at the back, and despite one of them only being a full-time center back, and that one was roaming upfield an awful lot, Wednesday played a fairly tidy first half, although without much of the way of an end product. Like we said, it's like they never left. Second half was more of the same as Wednesday. flashed close as a Wickham header hit the post, and a Lee follow-up was somehow stopped by a last-ditch off-the-line clearance. Shortly after, Wednesday got a soft goal on a long ball over the top that Beto de Baja, who was on the left flank for some reason, like we said, it's like they never left. The Owls did flip the script though, finding a stoppage-time equalizer of their own as De Cruz delivered the first good corner in literally months, and Wickham's bullet header found the back of the net this time in the 93rd minute. So, James, you want to talk about Conor Wickham and the difference he made beyond just the equalizing goal?
1: I do. Well, I mean, the, the biggest difference is probably in the size and shape of Conor Wickham, right? I mean, he actually looks like he spent his lockdown getting back into shape as opposed to getting out of shape. So, uh, first of all, kudos for Conor Wickham for showing a little bit of Premier League um, fitness uh, kind of approaches, I guess, that. Uh, notably different to a few of our other squad members but yeah i thought he, i thought he had a good game i mean he uh his movement was good you know he seemed to have the fitness for the full 90 which is not a conor wickham that we saw before the break um he uh, he was probably our you know most kind of constant threat i think just in terms of kind of moving the the forest back line around should have scored probably well could have scored with that header that hit the post um and that that whole move deserved a goal um get the exact quote and I'm sure Paddy'll remind me that Monk made afterwards about the uh, the odds of the uh, the clearance off the line from Kieran Lee's follow up but you know overall Wickham's performance I thought was pretty good and and there was a moment of quality with that goal right in the 93rd minute right I mean it like you said it was a decent corner which made a difference but he was uh, he was positioned well um the header made absolutely no mistake and and that's what you need you know if you've had a an average performance like Wednesday used to it's pretty cool to have a um a finesse striker at the top end of things, and with Stephen Fletcher moving on, I think he's going to be a really, really important player for the uh, the last few games of the season, providing that we can secure him. Obviously, um, uh, for the uh, for the next eight games, which is proving to be a bit of an issue with a few players, it seems. But we'll come on to that later on. But yeah, overall, I thought Connor Wickham made a difference, and I was really, really pleased that we uh, we had him on the field.
0: Yeah, I was sort of just impressed. It was more of a total performance than we've seen from our strikers recently. He's still not particularly fast. I don't actually recall him being fast before the spate of leg injuries on his first two loans, but his positional awareness was very good. His hold-up play was pretty good. He could drop deep and link up with Rhodes running forward. He brought sort of the wing outlets into play. He was just, it was just very tidy. Like it wasn't anything spectacular. It deserved a goal. It was a tidy performance. More of that and Wednesday will be fine. I mean, outside of whatever might happen in court on the field, they'll be fine.
2: I tell you what was impressive that week and was his strength now i feel like he's lost a little bit of like upper body bulk that he came to us with because we we thought oh god this guy looks like a machine when he first came came to us but i think overall he was a little rusty as far as match fitness goes and in this new version after lockdown he is a little bit slimmer but he's lost no strength whatsoever the amount of people are sort of ping off him in that first second that first half was fantastic. He just literally stands and plants himself and defenders just like just <laughs> run into him and fall three feet backwards from him. It was quite an impressive state, and even his goal, he was just just stood his ground, just planted there, and then no one get near him. He didn't even have to jump for it. He just basically just the <laughs> crew put it onto his head and he went to the top corner. He,
1: he's like Adi Nuhu, except with talent. <laughs>
2: Hey, be careful. I knew not use now
3: a third choice striker.
0: <laughs> is it only third? For the next
1: four weeks.
3: <laughs> I, I think it was pretty clear, it's been pretty clear that Wickham is, he's kind of different than most, most of the loanies that we get, right? He's not a young, kind of raw talent. This guy's been around, he's played he's in He's actually Premier a Premier
0: League quality player yeah, as opposed to most exactly. of the loanies we get in. Yeah,
3: Exactly. And I think he shows that. I mean, you guys have mentioned it, but he shows that every time he's out there, right? Even, even with the goal that he scored, I mean, you could tell, you could tell how many times he's, he's seen a corner come, you know, there there was a lot of distraction in front of him and he didn't freak out. He didn't move. He just waited there for the ball to to get to his head. Right. Um, A lot of guys you'd see just kind of lose sight of the ball and, and, spray one way over the post but um he's quality and I was, it, it was disappointing that we only saw what seven matches from him with us before the break uh and, and it's it's definitely clear that that he can help the club yeah i think maybe we were a little too hard on him i
0: don't remember what we said those podcasts from months ago but he was coming off a lot of a series of serious injuries he didn't have a lot of match time in the premier league even when he was healthy and you know strikers are i don't want to say streaky but they need reps they need to get into form they need to get comfortable you know he needed to integrate with a squad that's very different than the crystal palace squad he left on a number of levels and i don't know how this looks going forward i think he should be one of the first names on the team sheet i hope they can keep him there and maybe he's at a point in his career where he wants to settle down long-term. And obviously he's mentioned and shown affinity for Wednesday in the past, James. Is he someone you would, given the level of uncertainty in the rest of the season and the coming transfer window, wherever that opens, but is he someone you would target? if, Let's say Wednesday finished mid-table and are looking to make moves with financial fair play suspended next year for another promotion push. Do you think he's the... Number nine that can be that promotion-leading striker.
1: Look, a fit Connor Wickham in the championship is a really, really good striker to have and to have in your squad, right? So, if money is no object and Wednesday are secure in the championship next season, and there is an option to sign conor Wickham, whether it be on a year-long loan or uh, or permanently, then absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, any any team that is trying to get out of the championship would have him as an asset. Um, If Wednesday are constrained financially and they're having to make trade-offs with a squad that at the moment has 15 senior pros in it, then... um, Maybe you shouldn't splurge all your money on Conor Wickham, and and that's the situation that's so hard to work out right now because we don't we don't know where the season is going in terms of where Wednesday. up because of the arbitration case that's hanging over us, and we don't know whether or not we have to continue to cut our cloth very frugally to adhere to FFP, or actually if the UEFA rules are followed, maybe all next all all bets next season are off and tuna bucks are back in, baby. So um, let's see how we go.
0: Bang some uh, new panels onto HMS Pistol League, I guess. <laughs> Evan, let's zoom out. Your talking point is about the wider performance. We looked above average, but not enough in the final third to get to top six. So it's like they never left.
3: Yeah, it's a bit awkward after we just talked about how, how great Wickham looked. But, um, you know, one guy's not going to get it done for us. And, and I guess my point there is just that. Um, you know, I thought we moved the ball well. We looked like a, a, a good squad with good chemistry. But at the end of the day, we looked like a mid-table squad. We didn't look like a top six. We didn't look like a threat at promotion. Um, and, you know, I think that has to do with, with maybe some of the creativity that we lack in that final third. Um, it, you know, this, this isn't really a, a hot take by any means. It just seems like while we are a good squad with, with some – experience behind us we're not really that squad that's gonna that's gonna push i I don't think this season
0: yeah and that's fine i guess i don't know what we they were 50 i don't know they were like 15th coming into (laughs) the restart so really at that point i know they were closer to six than they were to the drop zone but with nine matches left or whatever it was i guess it's eight now I mean, you kind of just expect, you know, a point at home to a promotion-chasing side as a decent result, and get some more decent results like that, and you finish 13th, and hopefully it'll be enough points to stave off a drop if arbitration hits them with a 12-point penalty or something like that. That's all you can really ask for at this point, especially with all the other sort of moving parts with contracts and... Not knowing when next season's going to start, when the window's going to start, just kind of play out the string and hope it was enjoyable to watch, which more or less it was.
3: Yeah, I, I certainly think that we'll continue to pick up points. Um, I, I just I feel like we're a team that can compete with anyone, but we're not a team that's going to put anyone away at this point. So I'm not worried about about relegation, uh, obviously, unless we take a big points deduction um and and i'm excited don't get me wrong i'm excited that wednesday are back on i'm excited to watch eight more matches or seven more matches whatever it is um they'll be entertaining we're an entertaining side there's no question about that um it it would just be nice if something clicked then we could start firing in goals at at a higher rate
0: patty you didn't think the performance was just above average you thought it was brilliant
3: Thanks for reading my
2: notes out, Jeff. Um, That's yeah, what I, I do. Mean,
0: it's it, like I'm just supposed to guess <laughs> your talking point, or am I supposed to read it off the sheet? Like, <laughs>
2: so, if I never know you're going to read it word for word, I'll give you a better intro next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so I, in the context, all I see of things, is that heard, was
0: a brilliant performance.
2: <laughs> in the context of things, <laughs> um, I think it was a very good performance. We all had doubts about how this team would come back from a three-month layoff. We all I had doubts about the January to March run that we had, where we were diabolical. Uh, we had doubts about what Forest would come out as. I mean, after three months down, they were kind of a uh, hot and cold for, for the last ten games of their um, season. So we didn't really know. But on paper, Forest should be a better team than us, and we looked a better team than Forest. Uh, and put on top of that, contextually wise, is is that we learned a new formation, we added a new strike force, Rhodes and Wickham. I can't remember they've been paired together before. I'm sure someone on Twitter will tell me afterwards, but it's been very rare that those two have been paired together. We dropped Lee's, which hurrah, uh, and put two right backs in a centre half in a th- flat in a, in a three at uh, the back formation. We had Harrison Murphy trying the width, uh, Luongo was back in the middle, uh, and I really liked Luongo and Lee as a kind of box to box double threat. You don't get two box-to-box midfielders. The luxury of that is is fantastic. And I thought they both had good games. Kieran Lee, I thought, looked fantastic in the first half. You kind of trail off to our second half. Um, So I think in the context of all this madness we've been facing over the last three months in lockdown and pandemic and uncertainty about whether we're going to return or not, learning a new formation, big players out of contracts, uh, they knew, the, the team must know that Stephen Fletcher, Forestieri, Morgan Fox, were likely not going to be there in two weeks' time. It's all hanging over them, and the FFP on top of that too. You've got financial fair play deduction. All this crap is surrounding them, and yet they put in the performance which was better than January to March. And I thought well, it was really encouraging. And if they can keep that kind of form up, then we'll be okay this season. As long as we don't
1: get a Harry you finally jumped the Wednesday shark Every, <laughs> everything that is so bad about Wednesday is now like the reason why it's so good that's the thing. <laughs> so like because of FFP because we've got no players because everybody's <laughs> fleeing that performance was incredible I'm just totally on that despite
2: no, this, this, despite of
1: those things not because of those things <laughs> I'm actually I'm going to back you up actually like for 60 odd minutes right it was quite an enjoyable game to watch like Wednesday seemed to be in control they got um, they seemed they seem better balanced. Like whatever they were, you know, working on tactically, it wasn't the Bannon show in midfield. There was there was a degree of balance between Bannon and Lee Luongo. Um, we seemed controlled at the back. There was a moment where I think our centre backs overlapped and everyone got a little bit like we were playing wilder ball. But um, you know, it it just felt like there was a plan. It felt like they were coherent. And then Forrest scored their goal, and it all felt very old school Wednesday. But then Wickham kicked in at the end, and we uh, we got a little bit back. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's a little bit of learning there, a little bit of a kind of a spark of hope at least.
0: I thought too, okay. they were a little bit better in their response to the goal at yeah. the 63 minute mark or whatever it was. They didn't just throw the kitchen sink at it. They weren't just sort of passing it around looking for an opening. They I thought they were the right amount of aggressive, and I guess in context, Patty. Given that they had three months off and all the drama surrounding the club, I know he's a divisive figure on the New York Owls WhatsApp group, but how much credit do you give Gary Monk for all this and sort of keeping it together and getting that performance out of the squad?
2: Massive credit. Uh, and it's it's clear in the player interviews as well. You see, they all kind of want to play for him, apart from the ones that may be getting released in about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not his choice, right? It's, the, it's a financial choice more than anything, why those people are leaving. So, I think that even the players that are leaving, uh, maybe not Hutchinson, maybe not Westwood, um, they probably have respect Westwood isn't uh,
1: leaving, though,
2: Paddy, is he? (laughs) No, Westwood's just going to, like, curse in the corner (laughs) like like a naughty boy the ears. Um, I mean, Westwood will leave. He just won't be on a contract. He'll be sold somewhere, hopefully. Um, No, massive respect to Gary Monk. Um, I think he was writing his interview at the end of the match where he said that uh, they should have won. Uh, he gave a bit, of reason, a bit of reasoning around why he experimented with 352. He, he was very honest about the fact that uh, he expected people to be leaving, and 352 might be a formation we might have to play <laughs> <laughs> because of the players we have available to us. Um, so I think it was, he, knows, he knew at that point in time um, that three at the back might be an option we might have to go with. Um, so whether you hear about Morgan Fox, whether you hear about um, uh, Stephen Fletcher, We don't know, but uh, it it felt like he was playing the players he thought he would have for the rest of the season. And they played to a new formation and new tactics really well.
0: My talking point, unsurprisingly, it's just like they never left. It was very much a... I, I think if you had dropped this exact match into the middle of that January to March run, we'd just be bemoaning the lack of end product and the terrible goal that they gave up and the weird formation changes and another Stephen Fletcher injury. But in a weird way and I think having, you know, twenty Wednesday nights on Zoom all at the same time watching the game helped. It was just nice to have sort of the Saturday morning routine back, even down to the part where after the forest goal went in, we all just kind of started shuffling around and Grumbling quietly, and went to get another drink. Just like we were at the football factory.
2: <laughs> the uh, the chorus of size in that Zoom call was hilarious. <laughs> we were a all like three of
0: seconds off from each other too. It was like a three <laughs> second window. We're just like, ah, man,
2: the Mexican wave of size because <laughs> the delay around everyone watching
1: it. Well, well,
3: well and we, we also about
1: the pl- sorry, Evan, go on.
3: Well, I was just going to say we also had the the I follow issues that we seem to have at least every other match. Right. And uh, all the all the grumbling there, all that. I I just I would hate to be the social media manager of the EFL and have to see those messages and read those messages every single week. Um, And I couldn't I still couldn't get it on my computer. I think other people did, but I couldn't get it on my computer the entire match. I was on my phone uh watching the whole time but um but you're right jeff it, it was it was good to be back it was good to even though i guess even though in the middle of the season it's it tiring to hear hear all the negativity on different facebook groups like wednesday sing it was just nice to be able to see messages and, and notifications that people are posting on there again and um yeah it was good good all around
1: it was good all around, and that was kind of where I was going, Evan, which is that, yeah, I mean, I followed it didn't work, but hey, what's new? Um, what did work, though, was having like, how how many people did we have on Zoom at one point? Like about twenty 20 folks or so just kind of talking about the match, right? We weren't watching the match. Everyone had their own individual streams, and like you said, Paddy, some people were like two minutes ahead, so that got a bit awkward at times, but it was really cool to actually kind of watch a match with fans in America at the same time, like you know, it just it added to the experience in a way I didn't really expect it to. A little bit like there's these weird kind of quirks of learnings coming out of this whole pandemic experience. It was it was fun, you know. I now know what Jeff looks like when he celebrates a goal at home. And I didn't know that before.
0: <laughs> Not all I did from the football factory, except I'm, I guess I was probably slightly sober. <laughs> I put a lot of whiskey in my coffee, but I think I was still just probably that, slightly that, sober. That
1: was the difference, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> you, look, you look quite steady on your feet. <laughs> just start with three whiskies in coffee to start the
2: game (laughs) (laughs) well
0: i free poured which is not the best idea in the world in hindsight but so that covers the forest game now we'll take a break and we come back as promised there's plenty of contract drama there's plenty of court drama and probably a less dramatic fixture schedule to preview We'll get to the Wednesday news in a bit, but a slight programming change, as I was planning on our newest Owls Americas member showing up for West Brom at midweek. She had a different idea in the middle of editing this podcast, decided she was going to make a late break for it to catch the Bristol City game, which she did. So we will recap the Bristol City game and then move on with the rest of the show. Not me, because I was kind of busy.
3: Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Owls AmeriCast. I am your host for only a few minutes, Evan Skilleter in Ohio. On the line with me is Patrick in Secaucus, New Jersey. And this is kind of a a bonus section of the podcast. It'll be an interesting show for you because our producer, Jeff, the morning after we recorded the original episode 98, uh, his wife went into labor. And so, our audio was stranded on his desktop in Connecticut. Uh, and so while that was delayed, we decided to make a quick update to the podcast with a quick roundtable discussion on this morning's 2 1 victory over Bristol City. It was a, a good match, a Sunday morning match, 7 a.m. start, which is tough because I like my Saturday nights. And so I was up late and then up early I'm on my third cup of coffee. Patrick, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I'm on my second cup of coffee, Evan. Uh, it's good to uh, hear your voice this early in the morning, I'll say.
3: Yeah. Uh, it
2: was a good, uh, good uh, morning's work for uh, Sheffield today, Sheffield Wednesday.
3: Yeah, so no- normally we have, you know, the, what is it, 90 and 90, and we've got our talking points. I mean, we're fresh off the match, right? Two goals. Connor Wickham early on in the 13th minute, unmarked header. Luongo with uh, just a normal championship scrappy goal in the 60th and in typical fashion we give up one a bit late but we held on and and patty i think it was a pretty good uh a pretty good match overall i'll just ask you do you have a talking point or any anything that stuck out to you in the match
2: yeah, I think I want to talk about the defence a little bit um, and the changes we had to kind of go through through that game and uh, still kept relatively um, tight at the back. So, so we started with the same formation as last week, so uh, kind of a 3-5-2 with the, the wing-backs of Murphy and Harris, um, And it looked like Berner took a bit of a knock in the first half uh, and he came off um, for the start of the second half for Morgan Fox, which I thought was a bit surprising. Obviously, we had Tom Lees on the bench. Um, my natural centre-half, Morgan Fox um, famously not staying around for the rest of the season after this, pretty much. Um, But obviously, Morgan Fox, we know, there's no real qualms about him being a professional uh, footballer, so he um, got on with the task at hand and did really well, I thought. Um, But another thing that I thought was really interesting is that we changed to a, a back four once we let in the goal, and we still didn't bring Tom Lees on. We brought Moses Adebayo on. Um, so it seems like to me Tom Lees is way down the pecking order in Gary Monk's uh, plans at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's um, also shipped out in the summertime.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because th- there are so many different factors that could be playing into players that are, are playing or not playing, or, or the reasons why they're not playing. Um, you know, is Tom Lees out of favor, perhaps? Um Perhaps he just didn't work very hard during the break and, and he's still out of form. There's just so many different things at this point. Um, and it is interesting to to think that Morgan Fox is a better option for a, a central defender than Tom Lee's. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, overall, I think you're right. The defense the defense played well. I, I felt like we kept our, our shape well in the back and really didn't lose our heads too much. I mean, the goal that... The goal that Bristol City scored was, you know, a great save from Wildsmith uh, on the initial, and then there's not much you can do about a, a, a guy streaking in and just putting something behind a header. So, um, I, you know, I thought we played well. I, I never felt too much like it was in jeopardy. I know there was that one shot that was scuffed a little wide toward the end. Uh, I forget the fellow's name that that shot it. From Viner. Of, Viner, yeah, from the top of the box. But, uh, you know, outside of that, yeah, we, we, we played well, and – uh, it, it's good to see it, it really is good to see liam palmer i thought played uh p- played a pretty good match iorfa as you well i guess you mentioned it in our podcast that we haven't released yet so um we'll leave that out but <laughs> iorfa has obviously coming been soon a, yeah iorfa has been a, a pretty positive uh, influence there uh, on the back line as well
2: he was a mountain today and like I say palmer had a good couple of blocks as well um Like I say, we we finished with four fullbacks on the pitch, and uh, it didn't seem like um, we were suffering from it. Uh, We did really well. One thing I thought today was also really good, um, obviously Joe Wilesmith made a couple of great saves. Unfortunately, the second one he did was um, kind of followed up by Wells, so hats off to Joe. He seems to have um, claiming his that number one spot for himself. Uh, other few bright spots for me was, uh, Wickham again. I thought he looks, it looks like a fighter. He's up for it. He's strong. Uh, the amount of defenders that ping off him is hilarious. I find it's kind of, it's, it's kind of turning into a bit of a Fletcher character when, uh, Fletcher's about to leave. So I think that's, uh, it sounds like as well from the recent news is that, um, those loan signings will extend to the end of the season as well, which is something we didn't know at the time of recording the main podcast. Um, so if we can keep hold of Wickham, um, for the rest of the season, I think we won't be okay. He seems to have uh, got stronger during lockdown. Um, a few of the things that I noticed different from the start of lockdown is that um, we've switched from uh, Bannon taking all the corners to now he just takes the ones on the right of goal, and that has yielded pretty well. So, obviously, you know, um, we spoke about in the Forest game, which is coming back to this the Forest review. The um, Cruz took the corner to the end, which uh, Wickham converted, but um, this time around, Murphy took the corner which um, was really well-worked, actually. If you look at the replay of the Wickham goal, uh, we had two, uh, I think it was Wednesday defenders, I offer and somebody else, uh, blocking um, Ash Baker from tracking Wickham's run. And Wickham kind of like sold him a dun- dummy, got free, and then obviously headed a great uh, goal into the corner. Uh, that is really encouraging to see from the corner set pieces where we've been so miserable for so long with Bannon at the helm there. And obviously we scored from the corner the second time around too. Um, not as good a corner this time around, a bit scrappy. Bad defending from Bristol. Um, but uh, goes there to uh, turn it in. So again, better set-piece delivery. Uh, much more balanced performance with this three-five-two formation. And uh, overall, a lot more fight, I would say, in the team. So this lockdown has served as well.
3: Yeah, one of the big or the most noticeable things for me was that... Uh... Kadeem Harris and Murphy have both looked like they looked in the first week or two of the season. Remember when when we couldn't stop saying enough good things, especially about Harris and how he was flying down the wing, he was cutting back well. And it seemed, I don't know if teams have just forgotten about it. It seemed like uh, after a few matches, teams were picking up on it and there was a second defender there waiting for him to cut back inside and just making it Tough for him to roam around and move around that left side, uh, but he's had a lot of space and he's taken it very well. Uh, he's definitely been a threat, and I think Murphy as well has looked good. He he looks he looks the player that we thought we were getting on loan, uh, forcing his way up the right, cutting inside, uh, making some overlapping runs. That uh, you know, I, I just feel like we we look threatening. We're playing some nice balls into the box. Still wish we would. Uh, generate more you know good shots on target or at least close to it but uh overall yeah i think we're playing we're playing well as a squad i mean bristol city's a a pretty good squad overall a team that was hoping for a victory to near inch closer to that sixth spot and uh now as it stands i know that the, the uh, broadcaster said oh wednesday now 10 points clear of relegation well we're also eight points off the the sixth spot so um i'm gonna nice and tidy up there in the middle of the table and with what seven seven or so matches remaining you know probably not going to push for that top spot we'll see what happens this week with the uh w- with the punishment that that we may receive but overall feeling pretty positive after the sunday morning
2: yeah me too um i think like like I say we've got this podcast coming up next which is what we recorded i think on thursday this week so um I just want to say before we hand over to the main podcast, uh, congratulations to Jeff and Jess. Uh, We'll dedicate this one to um, Evelyn Rose, born on Friday morning.
3: Evelyn's a a beautiful name, by the way, well well chosen. And um, yeah, thanks for listening to this quick section. And now enjoy the rest of episode 98 of Owls AmeriCast.
0: time for contract chaos here on the owls americast we kick off our wednesday news with a whole heapin helping of contract news so let's start with the players that have extended that are out of contract technically but have extended till the end of the year eddie newhue kieran lee and we all remember paul jones right anybody um, is he no. the goalkeeper
3: we signed he, the is the co- the he is the
0: fourth choice goalkeeper yes yeah. well he might be the third choice goalkeeper now technically <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah
0: so this is helpful especially given our striker and midfield depth otherwise um, I, I would assume Kieran Lee is going to be in the starting 11 the rest of the way more or less fitness permitting I don't know if he can play as many back-to-back games as we have coming up but on some level i think especially for so i guess how much of this i'm probably not we can probably exclude paul jones for the purposes of this conversation (laughs) sorry paul jones how much of this do you think is these two players trying to do right by the club how much of it is putting themselves in the shop window for their next contract obviously it's a uh mutually beneficial relationship to have them both here for the last seven games or so, or whenever July 1st is. But what do you sort of make of the players that stayed, I guess, Patty.
2: I mean, arguably, they've got less to lose than Fletcher, Forestieri, and Fox, who are they can still get a good team to sign either of those three, or at least in So Fletcher's I guess case, I'll put it
0: another way. Do you think this means that, I'm not saying they will one way or the other, but do you think this means it's, I mean, I guess it probably does mean it's more likely that New Hugh and Lee, and Lee extend further at Sheffield Wednesday after this.
2: It's more likely. I don't yeah. think it is likely, sure. but it's more likely than Pledge of and I don't think they will extend past it unless they have amazing ends. Uh, Lee, how old is Lee now? 31,
0: 32? Something like that. And I think he definitely has to prove his fitness, His fitness still, right yeah, but, i mean
2: game. he had a really good game i thought against um, looked, Forest. i
0: think he's looked better like as bad as january and March through march has been i think he's improved as the season's gone on he still doesn't quite have that like finishing burst that we remember with sort of peak here in lee but he still has sort of all the positional awareness and the ability to pick the right pass and he just kind of knows where to be he just can't get there as fast as he used to
2: and if you think about people with the right attitude and people you want around the dressing room in the club, Kieran Lee's up there. So I have no issues if we do decide after a seven or eight game run, uh, Kieran Lee playing out of his skin, and we decide to extend his contract for another year, I'm fine with that. Um, we also don't really know where we're going to be next year. Uh, it could be the Championship or League One of this, right? Um, so in that respect, also, New you might be a good player in League One. Who knows? Um, if, if we're looking at a League One, team, it changed everything, right? We're not looking at Conor Wickham anymore, we're looking at a <laughs> New Year. <you. laughs>
0: uh, those would be some funny fun you podcasts. Say that, Paddy, cause
1: I, I had kind of, um, not placed that cynical lens on it yet, but just in, in reflection, when, when you put that particular lens on the players that have stayed and the players that have gone, the players that have stayed arguably are pitching for a top-end League one, lower-end championship contract and the players that have gone are mid-table championship to upper-end upper championship, right? Which tells you two things. It tells you probably where Wednesday are pitching their contract offers, because to be, to be fair, it did say that we extended offers to Fletcher Fox and Forestieri, the three Fs, but they were all declined. They told us to F off. Um, but also that the, you know, the two that stayed, you know, may, maybe there is the potential dangle of a contract there if they... Um, if they help us stay in the championship, you, it's it's kind of, it's on that borderline, isn't it? And I hadn't really kind of clocked that leveling, but there is a distinct leveling between those that have gone and those that decide and stick around.
0: And I think to be fair, I, I don't know what Eddie Newhue like wants to do with the rest of his career or whatever, but he's not useless in the championship. I think he actually is fairly effective as that last 15 minute battering ram because he can come in he maybe give a little different look or his hold up play is good. He, you know, it's more art than science, but he has a late goal in him every now and again, maybe even more than every now and again. Like he can kind of change the, the tenor of the late game strategy for both Wednesday and sort of force the team they're playing against to change their setup as well. So, you know, is that, is it worth having him as your fourth choice striker? And he's the guy that has gone on runs. And, you know, if there's a, another spate of injuries to Wednesday strikers, which seems to be a recurring pattern, he's the kind of guy that can step in and start for you for a month, and it's not going to kill you. Is he going to set the world on fire? No. Um, you know, I do baseball prospect writing for a living, and this sort of term would be like, like a roll 45. Like it's like slightly below average, but if you have to play him, it's fine. Are and I think joke, to to, to Patty's, Patty's point uh, about <laughs> <laughs> To Patty's point too, I think New Hue from everything I've heard is also very highly regarded in the dressing room as well, and I think that matters when you know evaluating these kind of players that maybe aren't more squad players than starters.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Um and maybe those long-termers like, I mean, Forestieri and Fletcher have been around too, but Lee and Yui have been away around longer than they have um, so there is a, a degree of loyalty in that kind of uh, effort of staying on so yes, they might have not as much to play for in the next contract uh, that Fletcher, Forestieri and Fox have um, but I'd also like to give them the benefit of doubt and think that they have a degree of loyalty to all Wednesday and finishing the
0: campaign off too So as mentioned, Stephen Fletcher, Fernando Forestieri, and Morgan Fox have all been offered extensions for the rest of the season and all have rejected them. What do you make of that, Evan?
3: Actually, the note that I have written down is very similar to what Patty just said. I think... um yeah, Fletcher. Fletcher may be different than Fessy and Fox, but but when you think of Forestieri and Morgan Fox, you know Fox only just this year started to be in favor with uh, with the fans, right? He was he was a very uh, controversial figure amongst the, the fans, and I don't think what do I know? I've never played professional football, but I, I would think that that takes a toll on you. And um, you know, like Patty said, maybe he doesn't have that loyalty. He doesn't really. He doesn't really have those ties to the fan base new use had some some really nice runs where where he was I mean, I almost got a tattoo of new who on my body. You still haven't gotten my yet. No, no, I still haven't I still haven't uh, you know, well, next Lee- hours, next hours body, away. Uh,
0: yeah, we're gonna yeah. <laughs> we'll drag it yeah, there. We'll, Don't worry about we'll it. Think
3: about it We'll think about it. I'll have to run that through Rachel um, but but yeah, you know, with with Fletcher, who, who knows? I'm actually a little bit surprised that that he didn't sign until the end of the season, and it, it's not like he wasn't getting game time, right? He he was our first choice striker. Um, fans liked him, you know. It, it that one's kind of a strange one to me. Um, Forestieri, who knows what's going through his head any minute of the day? Um, and I think there's a question that we'll get to later on about how he'll be remembered at the club, um, and I'll I'll save my answer for for then, but um Short answer is it, you know, what have you done for us lately? It's fine. See you later, pal. So as far as
2: this just came to me about Fletcher, and it, it was triggered by what Evan said uh, about injuries and kind of like what are you risking kind of thing. So Fletcher did play for about five minutes on Saturday, then went off injured. I'm doing air quotes for people that are listening on the podcast um do you think that was a show do you think that could be a kind of like i've tried to play for you guys and there i got injured in my first five minutes so you're not really giving me a good enough contract to stick around or a reason to stay to extend it for the rest of the season i'm gonna play it safe and like not extend
0: i feel like he could have just said outright i'm not going to extend don't play me and they probably would have done that I think it's more likely that you know maybe his fitness isn't where it needs to be after the layoff, and he pulled a hamstring which is what it looked like, which happens i'm I'm perfectly willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here, knowing in general how cynical footballers can be about this kind of stuff at times as well
1: I think the the, the honest truth about all of this though is that like this whole experience this whole period of time is laying bare some truths about football right like you know. Why is the Premier League playing right now? It's playing right now because it has to play out for contracts. Why is the Championship playing right now? It's because the Championship is beholden to the Premier League for financial dependency. Why would Stephen Fletcher walk onto the field for Sheffield Wednesday if he's not intending to fulfill a contract beyond the end of June? It's because you know there's a degree of contractual obligation still within his existing terms. And then why would he walk back off the field after three minutes if he does tweak a hamstring? It's because he probably does have some better contract offers out there for teams when the season starts again for 2021. Do I blame him for any of that? I'm not, I'm not sure I can. I mean, you know, ultimately it's a job, isn't it? It's, it's employment. And, and we look at it through this prism of being fans and therefore demanding like ultimate and unconditional loyalty. Stephen Fletcher has done a really magnificent job for Sheffield Wednesday in a difficult time. He scored pivotal goals at key moments, he's worked hard, he's brought himself back from interest, he's dragged the team out of some crap situations. If he can get a better payday, a better contract at another championship club in September or whenever the season starts again, and if that injury that he tweaked on Saturday was going to threaten that contract and he walked off, I'm, I can't blame him for it. It doesn't it doesn't like leave him on a high note after the things he's done for us, but I, I can kind of tolerate it if that makes sense.
0: I think there's something else to consider here, too. Like, this is a basically unique situation in sports history. I guess it isn't because sports happened through the 1918 flu pandemic, which would be the, I guess, most recent analog. But I saw not a ton of this on Wednesday Twitter, but like some of it on soccer Twitter in general, the idea that. These players should be giving back contracted money to the team because the teams were struggling financially. And, and There's a lot of money in English soccer. None of these teams are going broke. I mean, maybe further down the pyramid, and that's a, a systemic problem, but you know, Sheffield Wednesday is not in particular danger of going bust at this exact moment. I know there are other teams in other situations, but these players signed a contract for certain wages per week. That is the, sta- the standard, whatever contract, and they're the ones coming back and quite frankly, playing taking the risk of playing in this circumstance. I know that you know England is in, in the UK in general is in better shape than the US is right now, but it's not like the curve has been completely crushed. It's merely been flattened, and this is a disease that can cause long term, probably cause long term lung damage, even if it's not you know a case that requires extensive hospitalization these are younger in fit people but enough of them get infected there's a risk of something serious happening in one or more of them i don't think you know the sport has shown that it is only out for money at the top levels why shouldn't the players follow suit i guess
2: Yeah, and to reiterate, I, I don't necessarily, or I don't, I don't hold Fletcher for the Fox in any bad regard. Even though I praised newly New You and Lee for staying on, I think I'm totally understand why Fletcher. Your contracts Area, run Fox. to June thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. And why, why would you extend that, risking the injury or even like <laughs> even worse COVID uh, from hanging around with a group of people that um, you won't be your employers uh, going forward past the next week? Um, I understand everything and I really appreciate Fletcher, Forestieri and Fox's contributions to Wednesday over the last like four or five years between them Uh, they've been fantastic for us um, and I wish them all the best in the future there's no ill feelings whatsoever from from me and those three Forestieri will always be an emotional connection to Wednesday fans he will always have uh, he's always that magic person that you bring on the pitch and you expect something to happen We're going to miss that. We're going to miss even the feeling. Even if he hasn't produced what we want him to produce in the last two years, we're going to miss the anticipation. We're going to miss the belief that he gives us when he comes on the pitch that he could score a 45-yard screamer. That's what we're going to miss on Forestieri. It hasn't materialised for us. I'd be gutted if he goes on to the next club and performs every single game like we know he can do uh, and does so well. It's going to be heartbreaking to watch that. But... He hasn't for us. It's simple as that. Two years, he hasn't done that. He's got injured. He's, maybe his attitude is not what he wants to be. But at the end of the day, I think it makes sense for him to part a company. He needs, a, he needs a fresh start somewhere else. Fletcher's at the end of his career. We can't afford to give him what he wants or what he was even on currently. Um, so it makes sense for him to go somewhere else too. Morgan Fox. Uh, he's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame him for leaving. He got fucking... Like battered from pillar to post for most of his career. Wednesday, he had a good six to twelve months period with us, uh, and we've offered him probably less, <laughs> maybe <laughs> the same amount of money that he's earning right now. Uh, he can get better elsewhere. So good, good luck to him.
0: Evan made a good point where it's it is what have you done for me lately in sort of the the short termism, and I think it's perfectly reasonable to wish Fletcher, Fessy, and Fox well on their careers, but I think. The long-termism is, you know, a year from now, you can take a look back at sort of the longer scope of their career and appreciate them as Wednesday players. And that's fine. That's sort of the the duality of fandom in a lot of ways. So not offered contracts, and also will be leaving after June 30th, is Hutch and Sam Winnell. <laughs> James, I do feel a little bit bad that Hutchinson won't get like an on-field send-off. Maybe they'll work out something for Sunday, but somehow I doubt it. Yeah. Not that there'll be any fans there anyway, so.
1: I think, I think that's actually the dynamic, Jeff.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: if if there were fans in the stadium, it's kind of, it, 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 it's another sorrowful story, isn't it? I mean, you know, Paddy was just talking about Forestieri and how it didn't work out. Like, he should have been the guy who took us to the Premier League. Forestieri you know his his ability and his technical craft should have just it should have been the difference maker for Wednesday three years ago and in the same way Sam Hutchinson should have been the backbone of a Sheffield Wednesday squad that got promoted you know Premier League quality without the injuries with his passion and desire and you know Hutch on a good day was just like a you know a player gifted for the fans right I mean there's no one who could deliver the type of energy and commitment that the fans demand like him. And so if fans were in the stadium, of course we should be giving him a huge send-off. Um, and instead it's this kind of bittersweet goodbye whereby, you know, he he knew he was leaving six months ago. He probably knew he was leaving 18 months ago, to be honest, because under Yoss he was frozen out, and it was only really when uh, when Bruce came back in that he got got a second chance. Um, but he's he's just another one of those kind of what-if stories, isn't he? And there's a litany of them now, you know. What if Stephen Fletcher had been part of a team that had gone to Wembley and we'd overcome uh, Huddersfield in that semi-final, you know, and he got us into the Premier League? What if Fernando Forestieri had stayed fit and he he delivered on the goods in the second season under Carlos? What if um, Sam Hutchinson had been able to just kind of knuckle down and play a role and whatever the dressing room situations that, that occurred around him, whether they were his creation or otherwise, hadn't, hadn't occurred, but... They're all just ifs and buts. They're not. They're not the reality. And I think in a similar way to we were just talking about the fact we don't wish it the three Fs anything but goodwill. In the same way with Hutch, you know, I I just hope he finds a squad and somewhere that nurtures him that can um, can kind of you know help him overcome his injury fragility and and give him a chance to have a a sort of a third phase in his career because after his almost retirement with Chelsea and then coming to Wednesday you know he talked about wanting to finish his career at Wednesday that hasn't worked out I hope he finds somewhere else that helps him to do so
0: yeah it is I I guess you have to take this point of view as a Wednesday fan given the last 20 odd years of the team's history but there's like You have to find beauty in the failures, I guess, is what it comes down to.
2: (laughs) What else have we got to celebrate? Yeah, fair enough, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these players are going to go down, I think, this generation of Wednesday players, most of them were looked at fondly. I think in 10 years' time... People are going to remember Sam Hutchinson and Stephen Fletcher and Forrest
0: I mean, these were literally the best teams of the last 20 years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They've given us so much joy. Frustration, yes, probably equally. Um, But I think everyone's going to miss these players. It it is an end of an era, and we can't downplay that. Uh, We're starting again afresh with probably no money to spend because of FFP reasons rather than the fact that we've got a billionaire owner. it's 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 the start of a new era and it's happening (laughs) mid-season which is so weird
0: (laughs) and that new era will start without any youth players since in other contract news everyone in the under 23s was released except ben hughes and goalkeeper josh render which to be fair does include one striker near and dear to my heart preslov borakov so, I dug into this a little bit, Patty, and I think I found out the problem. Go for it. So I w- I here's his biography. <laughs> on, what? The we- on the Sheffield, <laughs> no, on the Sheffield Wednesday under 23s page. Okay. He joined Wednesday from PFC Levsko Sofia in 2016 and thrives on attacking crosses. Well, I found the problem. We can't put any crosses into the box of any quality, so obviously we don't need Preslov-Borkov.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly, the, uh, the dearth of talent up front has kept him out of the squad for the past four years.
0: Well, so, I saw Dom, I think it was, tweeted something like he saw him regress in the last 18 months in the under-23s and struggled for playing time, which is fine as far as it goes. Dom watches those games. I believe his analysis of the situation. It just seems to me that we hear about a lot of these players in the under-18s and they all seem to regress in the last 18 months and then they, the contracts don't get renewed. So I wonder if it is a more systemic problem. I mean, clearly it is because, again, everyone in the under-23s were released except Ben Hughes and goalkeeper Josh Render. I assume um, Alex Hunt is probably on like a pro contract at this point and I Ergie mean, Hede is, so he doesn't count it. As an under-23 player, these are players that haven't actually uh, debuted for Wednesday, but yeah, that's that a problem.
2: That's a but, yeah, is that a good return? So if we say, oh, that's... Um, I don't know. Took in kind of generations,
0: probably not Is that for, a good return? Probably not for a, a club in one state's position, I would say.
2: Yeah. I, I feel like we heard and we saw glimpses I guess Penny
0: would be in that group people. too, technically, but... Penny's staying though, right? Yeah. Penny's staying. So, but I mean, he I mean, would be in that group of that generation of youth. Yeah, players. yeah.
2: Ash Baker, Fraser Preston, Jack Stobbs, Jack Lee... Connor Kirby, these are all players that have had their chances and not taken them or not shown on loan spells that they were worthy of keeping. Uh, you've got to ask at that point, have we done them justice as players and as talent and as, as, as skill? Have we as a club progressed them to what their potential was? And it doesn't sound like we have. And I don't really want to be that, that negative negative and say that systemically we have a problem but it certainly hints at that
3: (laughs) well i'm not i'm not sure how a youth a youth academy and, and a squad full of youth players can fully develop when they've had three or four different systems to to play under and to develop under right um you know, I, I don't. Some of these players may have been incredibly talented, and probably were. I mean, we saw glimpses of, of a lot of good players. But you know, you talk about Borokov In the last eighteen months, he's just um, he's regressed. Well, what's happened in the last eighteen months? We've had three different managers, and zero consistency in in the squad selection and um, in the squad formation, right? Um, so, you know what what are you what are you supposed to do in this case? I mean, you can. Uh, you can try to sign some of them and and send them out on loan and and try to find some consistency for 12 months with these guys. But, um, you know, it's tough. It's, it's incredibly tough. And I think it goes back to what James has been preaching for the last three years. Right. And it's, it's that we need to, to gut this club and, and we need to start from, from the bottom up and, and really just get establish a, a, a consistent academy and a consistent player development program, and then work our way up to the top of the club.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Evan. And look, I mean, um, so you're right in the observation for 18 months and four managers. Um, But try 18 years and however many managers and systems that's been, right? I mean, the the real measure of an analysis is whether or not you see a sustained sustained trend over time. And... You know, maybe this group of players weren't quite as good as we thought they were three years ago, and and we're seeing the results of that now. But I look at it as how is it that Wednesday have failed to produce consistently youth talent over the last twenty years? You know, when that's been probably our primary source of resource. You know, apart from the transfer era where we've had money to spend, really we should have been cultivating and developing the very best youth talent that South Yorkshire, Yorkshire, the kind of surrounding areas has to offer, and instead we've managed to produce how many players that have either progressed to the first team or have been sold to higher orders of higher echelons of the, the English football league. I mean, it's, it's almost negligible. You can't, you can't point to more than one or two players, right? And that isn't good enough for a, uh, a club of our stature. So yeah, Evan, I mean, that that's what it comes down to. You need a stable academy with a stable coaching environment, with a stable development strategy that supports and nurtures those players that deliberately moves them out to develop in the right environment, the right feeder clubs at the right time um, that doesn't simply use loans as an option of last resort which is basically what's happened to a lot of the players like Stobbs um, and so Paddy your question was you know, have we failed them? Yes I think we have You know, we basically let them kind of develop to the top of the youth environment late in their careers, we sent them out on loan later than they should have gone out and then we've expected them to deliver the goods and that's not That, to me, is a a flawed philosophy.
0: Yeah, and I think, yes, the managerial shuffle matters, but by the same token, Southampton shuffles through managers for the first team constantly. Atalanta shuffles through managers for the first team constantly. That's just the nature of football nowadays, but if you have a stable development environment, that should be siloed from that. The you know, the eighteen year old players are not twenty five year old players in most cases. And look, you can go back five years ago and look at whatever the England under eighteen roster is, and you know, the best players at eighteen are not necessarily the best players at twenty three and for a number of reasons. And you know, anything, you know, players develop at different rates, but when you don't develop anyone, that does point to a systemic problem. So on that happy note, we'll move to the other drama of the week. As Wednesday have officially entered arbitration over their potential FFP violation. I mean, mum's the word, basically, other than we know it started. It might be done by the end of the week. I guess what do we expect from all of this is the question I will ask, with no knowledge of what's actually going on behind closed doors.
1: I'm patting to James I'm pointing Paddy's to James pointing furiously it's either me or Evan so um, Evan what do you think?
3: Yeah I think I'm excited to hear what you have to say
1: <laughs> Can I just use my stock line for the last six months which hmm. is that until somebody actually talks to us about what's going on it's kind of futile to try and predict it because there's so much legality caught up in this that I mean I, I can say with some certainty that Wednesday, if the letter of the law, the laws meaning the EFL laws is applied, we're probably going to get caught out and fined heavily, by which I mean significant points deduction. But Wednesday may have some evidence that points to contradictions to those laws. And then it's a matter of interpretation. And then it's a legal decision. And I, I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. What I do know, Jeff, is this. The fact that the case was brought forward and they're trying to accelerate it tells you the year for trying to get this business done before the end of the year, so it's not a post-hoc decision. And I think that is probably most instructive for Wednesday, which is that, you know, the burden of proof on one side or the other is there. The case needs to be heard. If it's in arbitration, it will be done fairly. We have to assume that. Um, But I I struggle to get to a position where it's positive for Wednesday, right? Like it it feels like something that we're going to get a points reduction over. It's the magnitude of the points reduction that will ultimately decide where which which league we're starting in next season. That's what I bring it down to.
3: I think part of that feeling is just the pessimistic nature of the club in general. I I will say that much. Uh, It just it it does. I know it sounds it sounds funny, but it does feel like with just about anything that happens with us in the last three, four or five years, it, it just feels like it's not going to be good. Whatever it is, we're going to sell Fessy. He's going to go on he's going to be great somewhere else. We're going to, um, you know, Fletcher's going to sign on and with a great club and lead him to promotion. You know, everything just feels, it feels bad, but, uh, I, I do appreciate. Uh, this is, hmm. <laughs> I do appreciate the EFL accelerating this a bit. With all the question marks going on, I do really want a resolution as soon as possible. I just, it just would be good to know. I know there are eight matches left this season, or whatever it may be. It would be good to know if we are if we are in need of six points to stay afloat, or if we are just doomed, or if we have a chance to push for the top six. Who knows? It's just it'll be nice to know.
2: The fact that they dragged this on for so long. Uh, I I understand that we have been a part of that process, but it has to like, like Barnsley and like Steve Gibson have been banging on the door for the last like what, six to eight, 12 months. It has to be resolved this year. Otherwise we have gained an unfair advantage. That's what they're saying. That's what the the competitors are saying. I mean, we can't go a a season without being punished for our actions in the previous year, uh, or even prior to that, some respects. So, it has to be resolved. So the fact that they brought it forward is a completely right decision, not just for our benefit, but for fairness and for everyone else's benefit in the league. Uh, I can't. But then there's this thing in my mind which goes: they can't give us a relegation-inducing point deduction with seven games to correct it. That is wrong.
1: Except they can, Paddy, and it's not. <laughs> So, so here, here's why, right? Because it is, it, what, what people get caught up on is the temporal nature of it, right? So a lot of people have been saying, well, hang on a minute. The FFP rules are going to be suspended for a season, assuming the EFL adopt the UEFA guidelines. So therefore, they can't punish us. But what people miss is that the, EF, the, the FFP rules will be applied for this season and next season going forward. This entire case is about how we acted two years ago. It's the three year period from what is it, 2015 to 2018. So, to your point on fairness, the, the fairness is if we broke the rules during that period, then the punishment applies now, and quite rightly, the competition want that to be applied in this season. I, I don't think that's an arguable position. That's just simply the fair application of the rule set. The question is the magnitude of the punishment relative to the crime committed. If it is indeed a crime, I mean, crime implies illegality. In reality, it's breaking of what are completely fundamentally stupid EFL rules, but they are the rules. Um, And what's interesting for Wednesday is that, you know, we're being used as a test case. You know, it's not Derby, it's not Villa that are up in front of this arbitration panel. It's us because we did it in a really clumsy way, right? So I'm afraid I, I, I can't really say anything more about it until we get a judgment because my suspicion is that one way or the other, it's going to be, either very clear that the EFL were complicit in the way we approached it, in which case there's no case to answer, or Wednesday did this in a really haphazard manner, in which case there's a case very clearly to answer, and we may well be (laughs) in a position where we have to get an inordinate number of points in the last seven games.
0: Well, if they do, it might come down to the last game of the season against relegation scrapping Middlesbrough, and they have a new manager one that will be very familiar to this podcast and Wednesday fans in general. Uh, I thought he was retiring, but Neil Warnock is back, Patty.
2: Why won't he just die? <laughs> Why is he still here?
0: Why was, uh, won't he just die? It's, I, I, don't think he dies is the thing. I think <laughs> so. I was, I was watching the, was it the West Ham Wolves game earlier this week? or Maybe it was over the weekend. I don't remember. Time has no meaning anymore. And I was noticing that, like, David Moyes was aging into looking like Neil Warnock. So I just think he just keeps, like, recycling through 60-year-old-looking English managers.
2: He's a Buddhist that just rebonds himself into another English manager in the same mold. Oh, my God. That is a a nightmare I don't want to have. Um, It's bad enough that he's still there and still fucking appearing in our end-of-season kind of makeup and affecting what could be... An absolutely critical game against Middlesbrough. And imagine this, right? So imagine this.
0: And you know he'll be up for it too. Oh, (laughs) fucking
2: hell. 99 years old, he would be up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to relegate us with fucking, I don't know, Wimbledon AFC in the championship trying to relegate us. Uh, But it's just, imagine this context, right? Steve Gibson sells us Jordan Rhodes three years ago for 10 million pounds. Uh Three years later, we're in an FFB situation because of that sale to Jordan Roads, among many other problems as well. Steve Gibson, for the last 12 months, has been petitioning to get EFL to get his points deducted. So we're now, so it, that would leave us in a very precarious situation relegation-wise. Middlesbrough find themselves in a similar predicament as far as relegation. And they hire Sheffield Wednesday's arch-nemesis, Neil Warnock, <laughs> to take on their relegation-saving season and we played them for the last game of the season in what could be a do-or-fucking-die relegation battle. If that wasn't a script that you could fucking take and hand to Hollywood right now, I don't know what it is, it is horrible to think that that might happen. (laughs) It makes me terrified that our destination for next season could land on the feet of the last game of the season against Neil Warnock, Middlesbrough side. It is... Insane, but I mean,
1: hold on, buddy. Hold on, buddy. Who said that this was going to be like a series of boring dead rubber matches with no consequence? (laughs) The easy answer, by the way, is me, and uh, you've just nailed it. That is totally making the rest of the season really interesting. What a storyline! You can't write that shit.
2: I wish I was on the part of it, I wish I was part of something more safe, like a fucking, I don't know, Millwall position but no it's shepard wednesday it's gonna be drama every single time we've got a fucking 10 players leaving on contract dispute midway through the season we've got a court hearing ffp deduction happening this week fucking july
0: i refuse to leave it's midway through the season
2: <laughs> seven games left jeff there's a whole month of fucking drama left yet on this batshit season um so yeah it's gonna be a ride guys strap in
0: instead we'll just move on to listener questions. From Twitter, uh, at Mike Laroon. Mike, you know, if you want to ask us questions, you can just come on the podcast again at some point. But of the players that departed this week, who do you expect to see in the championship next season? I mean, I'd assume Stephen Fletcher will get a mid-table or better championship job somewhere. I can see maybe a a team that comes down and wants a proven striker at this level. Maybe a Norwich as one example might, uh, might turn to him, you know, between having to sell like Pukion or just the parachute payments. They should be able to afford his wages. Um, or I could see him just settling into a, you know, a mid table team with some aspirations.
2: I think he's going to go to, um, a team abroad, um, I think so.
0: I mean, he did, we did get him from, like, Marseille or whatever, technically, right? It was yeah, in Monaco. He's got,
2: that, he's got that traveling kind of bug to him. He could join Hooper at Australia. Who knows? Uh, that would be amazing to watch.
0: Um, he's Scottish. He, he also and like, in Rangers and such are always in play. I don't actually know where he came up in Scottish soccer. This is a thing I can probably... He's spending a lot of time on so Wikipedia again I- today. Out of the three, Morgan,
2: Fox, and Forestieri, I see more likely to stay in the championship next season. Hibernian is where he
0: actually played his youth uh, football. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to He's from Shrewsbury, for the record. Play I, think, I think he'll get a
2: one big payout somewhere. Yeah. I don't think he'll stay in the championship next year. MLS. Uh, if no, he starts Red bad. Bulls next year, I'll be happy with that.
0: <laughs> that just means he'll end up in Toronto. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Forestieri I think is more likely to go abroad.
3: So he spends really... a lot of time on vacation in warm places, doesn't he? <laughs> it seems like that's that that would be where where he would just enjoy his time more. I don't know
0: if he's a better fit for like low level Syria at this point, or if he can get a contract there. I think he's from Bari, that's where he played his youth uh, soccer originally.
2: But I forgot about the Italian link. Yeah, he's, he's part of Italian, isn't he? So maybe that's the Opportunity for him. I don't Sienna. think
0: Siena. Siena and Genoa is where he first uh, came up. I don't believe Siena is in the top flight, but Genoa is, and they're kind of a bottom of the table in syria A type team. Maybe he could slide over there. I, I don't know what he wants to do. He's going to be 31 in January. He's still he probably if he can stay fit. He probably still has a couple of good years ahead of him. But yeah, I mean there have been teams contrast, like okay. Fulham have been interested in him before, so I wouldn't be surprised if the best money he can get might be in the championship.
2: It all boils down to ambition, right?
0: Morgan Fox they... is I'm just gonna Morgan Fox is gonna end up at Millwall. That's my prediction. Oh
2: I'd like to see that actually. I think it's a good, good fit at the end of the day.
0: I'm at Bill Brown, 1867. Why do I put myself through this shit every year? I go sit in a pub on a Saturday afternoon and I have 555 pounds more to spend on beer. Evan has a thought here.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So, so I read this question and laughed. I've been, uh, well, Hemingway is my favorite writer and. um, (laughs) Wait, comparisons to this guy. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been reading. I, I've been reading uh, The Sun Also Rises, but this reminded me of something I read in An Old Man at Sea, or The Old Man at Sea. I'm going to read an ex- excerpt from it. Um, it says this. He remembered the time he had hooked one up a pair of marlin. The male fish always let the female fish feed first, and he hooked the fish, the female. And she made a wild, panic-stricken, despairing fight that soon exhausted her. And all the time, the male had stayed with her crossing the line and circling with her on the surface. He had stayed so close that the old man was afraid he would cut the line with his tail, which was sharp as a scythe and almost of that size and shape. When the old man had gaffed her and clubbed her, holding the rapier bill with a sandpaper edge and clubbing her across the top of her head until the, her color turned to a color almost like the backing of mirrors, and then when the boys, when, with the boy's help hoisted her aboard, The male fish had stayed by the side of the boat. Then, while the old man was clearing the lines and preparing the harpoon, the male fish jumped high into the air beside the boat to see where the female was and then went down deep. His lavender wings that were pectoral fins spread wide and all his lavender stripes showing. He was beautiful, the old man remembered, and he had stayed. We are Marlins, (laughs) and we stay. We love Sheffield Wednesday no matter how hard the club hits her head no matter how dark her color turns we stay and that's why you continue to watch and spend 555 pounds every year on sheffield wednesday
0: as long as we're doing hemingway here's something from islands in the stream (laughs) out of all the things you could not have there were some that you could have and one of those was to know when you were happy and enjoy all of it while it was there and it was good
2: I mean, if anyone thinks that Isle of America* is base level entertainment, just, <laughs> let's just let's just quote those two,
1: let's, two uh, minutes. layers upon layers upon layers upon layers putty, and, and all in the uh, all in the justification of a season ticket.
0: But I will say, Bill, uh, the best thing Hemingway did was the Hemingway daiquiri, and Wednesday games go down a lot better with three or four of those in your stomach before it starts. <laughs> From at runner underscore eight twelve. Is there a better Wednesday night song to sum up the Wednesday night experience than Mr. Glass half empty? Uh
2: no. This is Patrick from the uh, North Carolina. Uh who went away, mm-hmm. away. Um no, that's why we've got it on I think it's one of our um podcasts. It is. Podcasts
0: I I would well. make a uh, a strong case, however, given the last twenty well let's say the last twenty-eight years of Wednesday history for uh from the Ritz to the Rubble by the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> oh,
2: that's good. So yeah, if, if anyone's wondering what that means, uh, Reverend Makers uh, do our bumpers for the podcast.
0: Uh, I say that Wednesday every week, Paddy. Patty. It's, it's in the do. outro, which we'll eventually get to.
2: <laughs> they very kindly gave us permission to use those songs. Uh, but uh, Mr. Glass Half Empty is uh, the podcast bumpers. So check it out if you haven't already.
0: At Southie underscore SWFC. Is the upcoming closed season the biggest restructure we've gone through? We seem to be short on youth term players. Never mind the first team. So, what's that? you can put you can put twenty one players in the squad now. Is that what it is? Five subs and twenty one players.
1: <laughs> Jeff, you're getting a little technical. I think the answer to Southie is yes. Uh, <laughs> are the season where we've tried to convert a squad of cricketers into a squad of footballers.
0: I was just gonna s <laughs> I was just gonna say, do we actually have twenty one players? I know like Mourinho at Spurs has been complaining he doesn't have twenty one players he <laughs> Which is the one thing I guess we have in common with Spurs this year.
2: Um, I think it's fifteen senior players, right? I think I saw in some WhatsApp comments. I can't fact check that right now. Um I mean, all the more yes. reason
0: to keep Preslov Borikov, because he would probably make the bench at this point.
2: <laughs> it does seem strange. Uh, but, I mean, we can't be hypocritical here. We've been calling for a call for the last 12 months. Uh, and, and a kind of re- and a yeah, it would have been nice to
0: kind of, like, stagger it a little bit.
2: <laughs> if we didn't, again, it'd be great. to Or, or
0: alternatively, do it after the season not with eight (laughs) games left in a situation where you might end up in a relegation scrap at Sean's ramblings what is the latest with the potential point deduction would be nice to have a decision finally made one way or the other Uh, see above Sean (laughs) essentially we'll move over to Instagram at Earl of Sheffield this is a very Wednesday question which league will we start next season so
3: Champions League (laughs)
0: so the interesting thing is i saw this week maybe it was last week that uh, league one teams are kind of figuring out right now whether they'll be able to start in i think it was like september november or january because that's a league i guess where one of the reasons they went straight to the playoffs and just did like a points per game table or whatever is it's not financially viable for them to play games without being able to sell tickets, without having fans in the stands. You know, the sort of the game day revenue is a big part of those clubs. So if they do end up in League One, we could be spared Wednesday football for a full six months, more or less. They well, might not a start until long January. very
1: long-winded way of answering the question, Jeff. I mean, it's, I it's either su- League so, One or the championship, isn't yes,
0: it? Yes. I, I suspect... Wednesday, I don't know what the sort of the machinations behind the scenes are right now. I suspect you want know, my honest prediction Wednesday will get a nine point deduction deduction which will put them which will probably satisfy Barnsley and Steve Gibson. I mean it may not satisfy them but really fuck them, but it'll be close enough that they can't complain too vociferously and they'll be in a relegation scrap the rest of the season and I think they'll get out of it, so I'm going to say championship. I am in the eternal do-eyed optimist on this show. If you go back and look at our season previews in the last three years at this point or whatever it is.
2: If you're the, uh, the do-eyed optimism poster child, we are fucked. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we in the championship too. I, I, I totally agree with Jeff. I think that a nine-point deduction is uh, possible. Uh, I think it will skirt with relegation. But by hopefully by Middlesbrough, we won't be in a, cha- in a relegation uh, battle with Neil Warnock
1: yeah I, I think that's the most probable outcome so if you wanted me to go one way or the other it's championship but um, by the skin of our teeth
3: seven hey.
0: yeah Wednesday wouldn't have it any other way I suppose at GD price 888 how will Fessy be remembered
3: yeah, we went over this. Uh, a couple of you did. I said I'd save my answer till now, um, but I, I mentioned it. I think for me, it's what have you done for us lately? Um, Fessy will be remembered as a, a really great player, uh, a player with a lot of skill, uh, a player that probably never reached his full potential with us, or or at least never elevated us to our our full potential. Um, I think overall, he'll be remembered well, but. Again, I, I don't think he ever. I guess his finest moments never came when it really mattered, in my opinion, right? Um, you know. I you mean, think to about be fair, match. that
0: goal against Brighton was really good, even though if he was technically offside.
3: <laughs> sure, sure, but there's also, you know, was it against Preston a couple years ago, toward the end? It might have been the last match of the season where uh, he shrugged off like nine defenders and and went in and scored a like a really nice goal, right? He, he did all these great things, but at the end of the day. We were in the championship the whole time we had him. Um, he missed a penalty against Huddersfield uh, in, in a semifinal, right? It, 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 I'm not going to, you know, I don't have too many bad things to say about him other than the fact that, like, yeah, he was a part of the era where we played in the championship, flirted with promotion, but really never got there.
1: I can be pretty direct, Jeff. The best wasted talent since Carboni. <laughs>
0: So I think there's an interesting sort of what-if here on a couple of levels. So, James, you noted that sort of the FFP looks at 2000, where Wednesday are in trouble right now is 2016 to the 2018 period. What if Fessy had actually moved to Newcastle for 10 million pounds at the beginning of the second Carlos season when he got his head turned? It would have cleared up the books to a certain extent. I think Forestier would be remembered for that one great season maybe like in a similar way I, I don't know what wednesday fans think of michael antonio at this point but he w- i think it would be sort of like a similar like a talismanic player that was only here a short time and perhaps things would have played out differently that money would have been i mean maybe they just would have spent it on jordan Rhodes anyway but maybe it would have been redistributed differently or the squad would have been more balanced and you know it's like we're getting into butterfly effect stuff at this point but
3: you no, know i, I don't know the, well i think i think in order to have a, a solid positive legacy there should be very few what-ifs right and there are a lot fine. of what-ifs with him i mean i don't think anyone's kinda...
0: comparing him to like chris Waddle or david hurst or anything like that but
3: yeah i but, mean like who, yeah, I'll, I'll put it this a, way an
2: emotional thing right who? There's always an emotional value to a player. So the players that we've had in this last four years, there's how many emotional attachments have you had to them? It's, you can count them on one hand. So I, I was uh, going to put it
0: this way. How many players from that sort of Wembley 11 will you remember more fondly than Forestier? The, the, Wem- the Wembley 11. The Wembley 11. Yeah. yeah,
3: say. So, yeah I, feel the, w- I feel the way the dog does. So. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I think
1: let's question. give the dog the last word here I think the dog has <laughs> summed it up
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeff has walked off
3: Je- Jeff's finished um, we can take last uh, one. fine I'll read the last question then uh, from <laughs> at will swift five who is our most valuable player I can have a go this one
0: of the 15 <laughs> that are left or
3: <laughs> yeah I think it is no,
2: it literally, yeah, yeah. down to the last 15 uh, oh. I think it's Adam reach um, he's in that age range where he's still valuable. He's at the peak of his career. Um, he hasn't had a good season, I'll give you that, but he's got pedigree, and I can't think of anyone else that'd be <laughs> more valuable than him. I mean, if we're talking well, about, I think to sell, I'm talking about, like to sell it to another club. Though, yeah, well, that's, that's right.
1: the point of value, isn't it? That yeah. value is the monetizable real I money mean, it, that's realized. Can also be most valuable so to the reach your banner.
0: It can be most valuable to the squad right now, though, which isn't necessarily a straight, you know, transfer market.
3: Yeah, MVP is a is a very American term, I think. Right. When when some people in, in England hear most valuable, it's like, who can we get the most money for here? When we hear MVP, it's who's the most valuable player to your squad. Um, Good point. Yeah, I think, I think
0: sometimes so, that can be like a one to one thing, but not always.
3: Well, sure, sure. Um, uh, if we're, if we're strictly talking, who's the most important or who has been the most important for the squad, uh, this may be an unpopular thing to say, but Barry Bannon has been the most consistent, uh, consistent face in the lineup, the most consistent player. I know that, I know he hasn't been terribly consistent lately, at least leading up to the, the hiatus there. Um, but just, you know, as far as having a face of the organization, uh, I think, I think Barry, you could almost say Fletcher at one point, but, uh. Mm. Barry Bannon would be that for me.
1: Tom Ioffer would be the other one I'd throw into the mix.
3: Who is that, sorry?
1: Dominic Ioffer, either, oh. as, either as a centre-back or a right-back. I mean, he's he's becoming almost indispensable for Wednesday, um, particularly going forward. Or even, dare I say it, Evan, Liam Palmer.
0: I was going to throw a... It's beautiful. What? He hasn't been it's there long it's... enough to really put his stamp on this but i wonder if like massimo luongo might be that player going forward i do think they they do look different and better with him sort of in that box-to-box role
2: he's a massive player for us going forward i would say uh if kieran lee leaves even bigger uh he has to be that center midfield player that we kind of build a team around i would say more than bannon in that respect uh he's he's an excellent technical player he reads the game well uh next year if we're not in championship he's gone as simple as that uh he's way too good to be in league one um so yeah i agree Luongo's is also up there
0: patty if people want to watch the bristol city game where can they do it in their own homes <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you 7 a.m. the 7 a.m. Sunday games I don't know why it's like 7 a.m. Sunday versus 7 a.m. Saturday but it feels like the 7 a.m. Saturday games are usually bigger games I guess
2: true and like usually uh, on a Saturday night we'd be out partying I mean we're, yeah. we're young hip folks
0: <laughs> yeah
2: <clearly. laughs> we would be out and we might be a bit hangover Sunday uh, so that's why seven am the morning on Sunday for the Bristol City game is a bit of a nightmare. Uh, last, I want to do want to call out. We just touched on it earlier on the virtual meetup we did last year at uh, last week. Sorry, um, for Forest. It was other than the syncing issues we had about everyone getting on the same page, watching the same uh, feed is is difficult. It does. It is better than watching it on your own. I felt um, just for the kind of. Asides during the game and the kind of knowing groans and nods and winks, almost that you get from uh, a regular physical meetup, I did enjoy that. Um, we'll we'll take it tentatively into the next seven or eight games, uh, and we'll see if maybe we can have a physical meetup before the end of the season with social distancing in place. But um, for for this next coming two games, one of is seven am on Sunday, so we're not going to suggest a virtual meetup for that. By all means, organize your own. Um, on Wednesday against West Brom, it's at 2.45, is it? Usually, three, yeah. Three on a Wednesday afternoon. So most people will be at work in the Americas. Again, no official meetup plan for that either yet. So we'll um, keep your eye
0: on the socials.
3: It is also strange to be talking about midweek matchups in July. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, so, you know what it's, I mean? It's, it's, a, it, it's the
0: only sport playing,
3: Evan. <laughs> It is. It, it is very, I, it's just clicking with me that we're talking about Sunday morning, 7 a.m. on, what is it, June 30th, or whatever it may be. It's just, it's wild. So
0: you've been listening to episode 98 of the Owls cast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at swsc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com find and follow us on twitter and instagram where we will half acidly answer your questions at owls americas our podcast and intro our podcast intro and bumpers are as patty helpfully pointed out by fellow wednesday night's reverend and the makers the podcast is on itunes spotify soundcloud google Podcasts, podbean probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts there's no wrong way to listen to the show just do what feels right Wherever you choose to consume the Owl's Americas, we ask you to rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, it's been like an hour and a half now. Uh, How's that Coca Tea treating you?
3: (laughs) It's good. It it has relaxed me. It has made me more insightful. I quoted Hemingway in this. (laughs) He's high as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We may have to have some more of this um, some more of this stuff. just so we're clear this is not illegal or drug like there is no mom mom if you are listening you can google this it is a completely legal tea in the united states thanks patty <laughs>
2: <laughs> i really hope you mom listening
0: james is on twitter you- at manhattan What's- owl and apparently now at vermont owls as well james have you gotten some goddamn heady topper yet
1: uh, no, Jeff, because I've been uh, I've been quarantining for two weeks yeah. following the uh, the appropriate guidelines. Having driven up from New York, the good news is my quarantine expends tomorrow, so I can go into stores. So I will be straight after some heady topper and uh, and pretty much anything else I can lay my hands on in terms of uh, Vermont beer, to be honest.
0: Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty. How far socially distant do you need to be to watch West Brom spank Sheffield Wednesday?
2: i <laughs> uh, hopefully in your case not still in the womb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do have one more thing to point out before we go into the close down. Uh, we have got New York Els Badges uh, for sale by our friend Glenn Polton in the UK. Uh, he's sending some over to the US to pick up in NYC. Uh, if you do want a, a really cool kind of like pin badge. But We have the New York Owls logo. Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook.
0: I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. In context, that was a brilliant podcast. And we'll see you (laughs) next week. (laughs)